Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, August 19th, 2017. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and not the God of the Jews. And thank you for listening. Tonight I'm going to present my account of what really happened in Charlottesville on August 12th from an eyewitness viewpoint. This is titled, Charlatansville, where the animals have taken control of the farm, because that's exactly what happened. It was 8.30 on a pleasant summer morning, just a week ago, when vehicles from all over the south, as well as from a couple of Yankee states, began to converge on a strip mall on the, outskir- on the outskirts of Charlottesville, Virginia. Here is where members from the political groups of what we would have to call the hard right, the League of the South, the traditional Workers' Party, the National Socialist Movement, Identity Europa, and a couple of smaller groups whose names I did not get a chance to know, decided to rendezvous so as to enter Charlottesville safely and in a relatively organized manner. In a very short time, police cars from the local sheriff's department also began to gather nearby. The cops watching us assemble, and they were evidently relieved that we were not staying. Under normal traffic conditions, there would be a 15-minute drive to Lee Park, the, the location of the Unite the Right rally, which we had all planned to attend. Once there was a confidence that everyone coming was informed and organized, we drove in a long caravan to the Market Street parking garage. Skewed results in Google searches caused some confusion with another garage on Water Street, but that was straightened out in perhaps just a few minutes. Maybe that actually helped us, as various leftists were scattered around in small groups in the Water Street garage and watching us closely as part of our caravan, disconnected from the lead vehicles by the Charlottesville traffic, only passed through after being redirected to the correct destination. However, in either garage, there were seedy-looking leftists at the entrances with cell phones or laptops, aiming to take pictures of every single face and every single vehicle. The information collected will surely be used to gather intelligence on the lives of private citizens, doxing them so as to cause them trouble at home. Once everyone was parked and reassembled, a large column began to form on one floor of the garage, perhaps four men wide and a city block long. And if I had to guess, I would say that there were at least 400 of us. Being one of the later arrivals at the garage, and with my wife in tow, and looking for a hole in the column, we joined in behind the Identity Europa group, who were in line after the men from the League of the South, who were for the most part leading the procession. From there we had a three-block walk to Lee Park, but nobody in the group could could have anticipated just what a walk it would be. Before we set out, we were reminded that some of the alt-right groups who had planned the event scheduled for August 12th really did not want us there. There were alt-right groups as well as what we call the alt-light, who were mainly civic nationalists, 
who are either embarrassed or repulsed by our uncompromisingly racial and even openly Christian attitudes and professions. And among these were organizers, the organizers, and some of the planned speakers for the event. We expected that there may be tensions with these people once we entered Lee Park. We also expected the presence of large numbers of counter-demonstrators. But we did not expect what we were actually about to encounter. The League of the South leadership had the recent experience at Lee Circle in New Orleans fresh in their memories. There at NOLA, pro-monument demonstrators attracted the ire of the city government. And in related demonstrations, the local New Orleans police evidently had instructions to stand down and let the leftists get away with at least some of their violent tactics. But at least Circle, the Louisiana State Police were calling the shots. And for the most part, the law was upheld. Antifa violence was checked. And while tensions were high, the Lee Circle demonstrations were, for the most part, peaceful. But in Charlottesville, and in Virginia as a whole, the situation was entirely different. Both city and state governments seemed to be entirely in the hands of the opposition, meaning those who are opposed to any political liberty whatsoever, if it is associated with the right whether it be the hard right, the alt-right, or the light. The alt-light, the light-right, doesn't matter. The governor of Virginia is former Clinton operative Terry McAuliffe, a New Yorker. The mayor of Charlottesville is a Jew named Michael Signer, or Singer perhaps, who is an attorney and a social justice warrior. His vice mayor is a Negro named Wes Bellamy, who has ties to a black supremacist group. And from his Twitter account, it is also evident that he is a sex fiend. However, that we would expect of a Negro. Early in the week, leading up to the Unite the Right rally, the city of Charlottesville actually canceled the permit for the event, stating reasons such as the parks being too small to hold the expected number of participants along with claims that they could not assure the safety of the demonstrators. The city wanted the event moved to McIntyre Park, nearly two miles to the north, a park which is much larger and in a much more open and less congested area. Announcing the rather sudden cancellation and the insistence on moving the rally, the city issued very dignified statements expressing concern for its ability to protect the people attending the rally. But lawyers, including the ACLU, promptly filed suit in federal court, and late in the week a federal judge ordered the city to reinstate the permit for the original location at Lee Park. Strangely, once the event began, the city had restricted the rally participants to the south half of the park, even though they had earlier claimed that the park was not large enough. Professedly, I do not keep good track of time, and in fact, I don't, I don't even like to wear a watch, but it must have been a few minutes before 10 a.m. when we finally embarked on our three-block march from the parking garage to Lee Park. 
about halfway there we came to a halt but we could not even look to see what was going on in front of us at the front of at the front of our column in several locations along the way there were dense crowds of people if i must call them people on either side of us taunting us with verbal abuses and provoking us and while we engaged sporadically with a few of them for the most part most of us retained our composure they did not even know us or anything about us but they did not want us in charlottesville and in fact to hear most of them chanting and yelling they did not even want us to live in their indoctrinated world anyone in opposition to their marxist globalist agenda has no right to live the cries for tolerance are rapidly fading back into the 80s and 90s as the leftists think that they now have an advantage while there was a minority of negro jewish latino and oriental faces in the crowd sadly a majority of the counter demonstrators were at least apparently white amongst the sea of white faces were a mixture of sodomites lesbians black supremacists and violent negro thugs mud sharks hippies and assorted other social justice warriors from the looks of most of them it seems that the predominant blood type must have been hiv positive groups of young and apparently white women were holding signs and chanting black lives matter as if that were really even relevant to the reasons why we were there many others held placards containing stale marxist slogans or even promoting sodomy some of them were yelling right in our faces obviously attempting to provoke us and it took much fortitude to resist the temptation of a violent outburst there were no police barricades there were no police or barricades along the route immediately leading to the entrance to the park there was no police presence in the blocks directly in front of the park so we tolerated their vitriol at arm's length until we were finally able to proceed into the park itself sometime if i had to guess around 10 a.m. my wife melissa was able to capture a good portion of this this march from our perspective back in the middle of the column on video and we will provide it when we present the recording of this podcast at christigenia this evening it's already on our on the front page of our dixie site only later after we arrived in the park only later did we learn that the vanguard of our group had to resort to fighting in the streets because the opposing leftists wanted to actually prevent us from gaining passage to proceed into the park the streets at the south end of lee park were crammed with these counter demonstrators and many of them were indeed quite violent however after the initial skirmishes in the words of dr michael hill who was at the very front of our group the throngs of the opposition had parted like the red sea and the rest of our column marched into the park with little physical resistance although there was continuous verbal abuse and provocation the only cops i noticed were behind the barricades in the streets on the east and west sides of the park and those lined up on the north side of us 
along the barricades which cut the park in half from east to west, separating us from the north end. When we arrived at Lee Park, the police had barricaded portions of the park itself to divide the various groups attending the rally and to keep us from the entire north half of the park. The southwest quarter of the park was already occupied by the alt-right groups that the rally organizers favored, and we were separated from them by a double row of, row of barricades, leaving space for a path up the middle, ostensibly so that the speakers for the event could gain access to the area at the center where loudspeakers were set up before the Robert E. Lee Monument, which we were actually demonstrating to preserve. The barricades along the center of the park from east to west prevented us from reaching the monument or exiting the park to the north since it was lined by police standing behind the barricades allowing us only half the park is inconsistent with the city's original stated concern that the park was not large enough to hold the number of demonstrators they thought may attend the rally. So the south side of the park was the only side not closed in by police and it was left wide open and that was the side which was flooded with counter demonstrators the fact that it was flooded also shows that right from the beginning the police had no care as to whether the speaker scheduled for the event could ever reach the designated the area designated as a podium in fact, with no police presence at all on that side, the counter-demonstrators, who seemed to have outnumbered the Unite the Right rally participants by at least three to one, and perhaps the margin was even greater, virtually owned access in and out of the park and seemed to have a license to do anything they wanted along the entire south edge of the park. So it was even more inconsistent to the city that they did not barricade a path or even attempt to secure the safety of demonstrators to enter or leave the rally at the south end of the park. During the week leading up to the Unite the Right rally, the city issued many eloquent but evidently specious statements to the media which voiced concern for the safety of the demonstrators. If they really cared to protect the demonstrators, they would have barricaded a path in and out of Lee Park, and they would have distracted, I'm sorry, they would have distanced the counter-demonstrators away from the park itself. But instead, it is evident that the city of Charleston and the police purposely set this demonstration up so that, that, so that it may forcibly be shut down in spite of the fact that the organizers and participants of the Unite the Right rally had every right to be there and to be heard. The state of Virginia also being involved was in collusion with the city and also with the violent factions of the left. Marching defiantly through the hostile mob, we, fill, we filed into the southeast corner of the park with barricades on three sides and the mob at our rear. The alt-right crowd on the other side of the barricades that divided us seemed to be nearly equal to us in numbers. Once we were all inside of Lee Park, in a very short time, 
Antifa and black supremacist agitators began hurling missiles and randomly pepper-spraying any one of us whom they could reach. They filled the street at the south end of the park, shutting down traffic throughout an area where no police were stationed and where there were no barricades in place. So basically, the police allowed counter-demonstrators to break the law, to shut down traffic in the streets, and to openly commit felony assaults with impunity. Not once did we observe the police even attempting to check the violence coming from the counter-demonstrators. Five days before the event, on August 7th, League of the South President Dr. Michael Hill issued an official declaration to all of its members which carefully and explicitly instructed them to obey the authorities, to obey the local laws, to respect both public and private property, not to instigate violence verbally, and not to engage in violence except in self-defense. This was only a repeat of the League's general policies and served as a reminder to the membership in the build-up of rumors and excitement leading up to the event. From everything I observed, I noticed no departure from any of these instructions by any League member or even by any of the members of the other groups that were with us that day. Once we were all assembled in the park, our original purpose for being there seemed to be quickly forgotten and the counter-demonstrators became the main object of our concern. For nearly an hour, the degenerate leftists hurled into the park missiles of stones, bricks, feces, and balloons filled with urine, all of them coming from the street at the south edge and corners of the park. One male Negro had been using some sort of flamethrower, evidently an aerosol of some sort, and many others were pepper-spraying demonstrators inside the park or those of us who assumed the task of guarding our perimeter. At the same time, some of the more docile degenerates had entered into our quarter of the park and set themselves up to display their signs. However, they were unmolested even if we exchanged some harsh words with a few of them. During this time, the police merely stood by and watched as the mob outside of the park committed every possible crime against us. My wife and I had observed one policeman assigned to guard the barricades to our rear, pointing and laughing at one of our men, a man who was agonizing on the ground from the results of a face full of pepper spray. We helped to attend several such men dousing their faces with milk or milk of magnesia, which seemed to be the most effective way of treatment that was readily accessible, and for which some of those among us had prepared in advance. Under these circumstances, right from the beginning, it was impossible for the rally to proceed. This went on unceasingly for about an hour. Finally, the police started to become alarmed, only when some of us from within the park began to hurl the mob's own missiles back at them. A can of tear gas was launched by the leftists and landed near the southeast corner of the park. From what distance it was thrown I could not tell, but it failed to reach inside the park and when the wind blew the gas back into the face of the mob in the streets, the police began to announce that our rally was an illegal assembly and that we had to either disperse or be arrested. Around this same time, we noticed a 
helicopter circling overhead. This was a clear case of police collusion with the leftist agitators who intended on denying our rights to assemble and to speak freely. We knew that the city had an ultra-liberal government. We fully expected that we would have to confront those who were opposed to us and we knew that the police would not be friendly to our cause. We even knew that at least one city official, the vice mayor, was openly associated with the black supremacist group called the New Black Panthers and has a long history of making openly racist anti-white statements. But the Virginia State Police were also in collusion with the leftists and therefore the rally never had a chance of succeeding. And even worse, the police also purposely put all of the rally participants in clear danger of life and limb and that we could not foresee. To our rear, there had gathered a large cadre of police in riot gear, ordering us out of the park under threat of arrest. They began moving into the park with the intention of physically forcing us out. But there was no way to exit except into the throngs of Antifa and the leftist mobs who were chanting and clamoring for our very deaths. On our part, there was no contingency plan for this sudden and unexpected exit. There could not have been one. The noise and confusion as to what the police were doing prevented us from gathering to form one. The threats of immediate arrest being made by the police behind us even prevented us from the possibility of organizing our departure. So we girded ourselves and charged into the hostile mob and out of the south end of the park. Our God must have been our God must have been with us, because once again the mob gave way and afforded our departure without our having to resort to any large scale violence. There were large numbers of us walking in the direction of McIntyre Park, where it was rumored that we would be able to reassemble. So we followed along. McIntyre Park is about a mile and three quarters to the north, and we made it there in about half an hour, being watched by police along the entire route. At this point, roving carloads of black supremacists were stalking us, driving by and hurling threats and provocations. I have no doubt they were hoping to find isolated individuals to attack and assault. By the time we reached McIntyre Park, along with a couple of hundreds of others of our group, the police began to arrive as well, and we were informed that any gathering we attempted would be declared unlawful and that we would be arrested. We were only a portion of our original number, and we later learned that the rest returned to the parking garage rather than march to McIntyre Park. So with no other options, the portions of us which remained began to make arrangements for our departures. The coordinators for the League of the South had sent out vans and were arranging to collect their members. We had a friend who had separated from us at Lee Park, but who had managed to get to his vehicle the same friend who had driven us there that morning, he picked up his his truck around that same time and came to McIntyre Park and picked us up and brought us back to our hotel in Stanton, Virginia.
It was fortunate that I had gotten to see McIntyre Park in this manner. This is the park that the city had tried to move the Unite the, Ra- the Right rally to earlier in the week. While Lee Park is surrounded by narrow streets lined with buildings, McIntyre Park is surrounded by broad thoroughfares. It contains large wide open fields and has many entry and escape routes. If the police did not keep the leftists from possessing the south end of the park, the south end of Lee Park, I am certain that they would not have constrained them at all at McIntyre Park, and we would have had to fight off the Marxist bastards from all sides if the Unite the Right organizers had agreed to move the rally to McIntyre Park, I am certain that it would have been renamed Field of Blood that very day. We'll finish our story momentarily.
must have been approaching 2 p.m. when we finally got to our hotel room, and the first thing we did was turn on the local news. For the next hour or so, on both Fox News and MSNBC, we heard nothing but lies concerning our behavior at Lee Park. We provoked nobody except those who hated us merely for our presence. We initiated no violence, and only struck back at those who had struck at us first or who openly attempted to impede our lawful movement. But we were being vilified in the media, while those who committed the violence, the Antifa, and black supremacists among the counter-demonstrators were not even mentioned or were being characterized as saints. Even the official police statements describing the events at Charlottesville contain nothing but outright lies. From our perspective, it is clear that the politicians, the police, the business establishment, the media, the Marxist Antifa, and the subversive black supremacist groups all had the same objectives to crush any political opposition to their shared progressive agenda. I remembered having to read George Orwell's Animal Farm in the ninth grade, and maybe my high school really was attempting to prepare me for my future, because here it is come to pass right before my very eyes. Acting under the pretense of law, the police, the government, and the media were really all in con collusion with the Marxist radicals. Furthermore, they truly fear allowing anyone on the real right, whether hard, alt, or even light, to exercise the constitutional guarantee of freedom of speech. So the establishment is happy to use the Marxist minions to disrupt it when they themselves cannot. When a government elected to protect the rights of the people so blatantly holds the rights of the people in contempt, they are no longer a legitimate government. The police and other agencies assigned to protect our rights have trampled upon them openly. They are charlatans indeed, and we were caught up in Charlatansville. It is easy, I'm sorry, it is they who must be declared unlawful. It is they who deserve to be violently dislodged. There is a website for the Virginia Association of Chiefs of Police, and on one of its pages, it has documented the oath of office sworn by all Virginia policemen. 
It is not very long, and it reads, On my honor, I will never betray my badge, my integrity, my character, or the public trust. I will always have courage to hold myself and others accountable for our actions. I will always uphold the Constitution, the community, and the agency I serve, so help me God. But on that day in Charlottesville, the Virginia police willfully disregarded several aspects of this oath. We suffered violence and they did nothing. We had the right of assembly and to speak and they did not care. We defended ourselves and they joined on the side of those who assaulted us. How could the police of Virginia so openly collude with the same Antifa and Black Lives Matter groups that only a year ago were openly promoting the shooting of policemen everywhere? We almost called this article Harlotsville because the police have once again proven themselves to be little but whores for whoever their political masters are on any particular day. And they really have no care to enforce the laws of the state or to uphold the Constitution. Whereas the police cannot violently enforce the Marxist ideals of the state, at least not yet, the Antifa are the footmen and radicals for the establishment and that is apparently why the police are protecting them. Every cop at Lee Park in Charlottesville last Saturday is guilty of malfeasance in public office at the very least but nobody in government or media is going to care because they are all in favor of the same Marxist agenda. We challenge them all to prove differently by condemning and prosecuting the malfeasance at Charlottesville. But we know that it's not going to happen. The only solution is the final solution. At the end of the day, we heard on the news something that we can only interpret as an omen from heaven. The police helicopter, which had been buzzing overhead as we were driven from Lee Park, had crashed outside of town, killing the two officers on board. The tragic and unfortunate deaths of these two Virginia State Troopers must stand as a warning to the police of Charlottesville and of all Virginia that they were on the wrong side of the fight at Lee Park. 
while we were helpless to fight for our God-given rights against the police on the ground, our God has sent them a clear message from the air. Later that afternoon, after a shower and another hour-long drive into the beautiful woods of Northern Virginia, we arrived at an enclave where the main body of the members of the League of the South were lodged. For several hours we had fellowship with some of the finest men we have known, discussing both the events of the day and the lies of the media in their aftermath. At a bonfire, Dr. Michael Hill, the League President, gave a heartwarming address congratulating his men for their valor in the face of the hostility and the aggression which they withstood. After that, most of the group of 70 or 80 men of men and women who had managed to, re to remain awake until that late hour then broke out in a rendition of Dixie. Singing around, singing around a campfire is something I had not experienced since my first visit to the Shenandoah Valley in my last camp as a Boy Scout in 1977. But now it was a far more awesome experience. Chatting for a couple of hours more, we didn't leave for our hotel until sometime after midnight. It was a long and wondersome day. The following morning we left Stanton for Lexington, another of our favorite places in Virginia. God forbid if Stanton and Lexington ever become like Charlottesville, we may as well see Vladimir Lenin rise from the grave to be our next president. But would the great masses of our people awaken even then? There are a lot of armchair warriors and keyboard pundits spewing wayward anecdotes about the events of last Saturday, and even most of those who claim to be with us are somewhat against us, second-guessing us because they do not understand our motives. For my part, I do not care what they say. Sure, the whole thing was a setup by the politicians of Virginia and their whores in law enforcement. But the establishment wanted us to resort to violence, and we did not, instead only defending ourselves from the violence we suffered. The establishment wanted to see us consumed by the leftists, but we were too strong, and the leftists dare not attack us on even ground. Their attacks only came from within the cover of anonymity of the crowds, and when they were confident that they had police protection. They wanted to force us into taking drastic measures, and they failed. For that, they are livid. They wanted to accumulate the proofs of our poor character, and once again, they failed. For that, they are livid. They even wanted us to see, they even wanted to see us left bleeding in the streets, but they failed, and for that, they are livid. It did not happen and we prevailed over the forces of evil because we ourselves did not succumb to evil. So they failed miserably and the mainstream media went on to report as a fact what they had hoped to see but it was not what they saw and quite shamelessly they broadcast their lies in spite of the actual facts. And to address another issue from another perspective,
I think I can also speak for most of us when I say that we do not really care about uniting the right in the sense in which the alt-right and the alt-light crowds understand the term. Many of them, with their pro-white-not-hate signs and their ideologies based on compromise and capitulation, are quite pathetic. We were there for our own purposes and not for theirs. If you invite me to your party, although I really don't care for you, I'm going to go and use your party for my own entertainment. So it is with the soft right, the alt-right. We use their party for our purposes. And we won. In Lexington, we visited the cemetery where Stonewall Jackson was buried the very next day. A large doe turned tail and ran off through the headstones. As we approached the gravesite of the South's greatest warrior general, many other Confederate soldiers are buried in a cemetery. Some who fell in battle as well as some who lived for years after the war. Standing in such a venerable place, we could only reflect upon what they would have thought of their sons among the Virginia police who stood for the destroying, for destroying the memory of everything their fathers had fought for. The same can be said for many of the apparently white people, sons and daughters of the South, who were on the side of the leftists and chanting for the destruction of the traditional values of their own race. The day is coming when those men shall rise from their graves in condemnation of the actions of their own children. And that's the end of my article. Charlottesville when the animals have taken over the farm. Now we could not be everywhere that we wanted to be last Saturday. But we have some friends who were and our listeners may enjoy hearing from one of them. There are a couple of rough spots in this recording since it was made on NASCAR weekend in Bristol and our internet connection was actually quite poor ostensibly due to the high volume of additional cell phone traffic. I pray you enjoy the account of our brother Ryan King. Here we have our friend and brother Ryan King of the League of the South, the Alabama League of the South. He was also in Charlottesville for the Unite the Right rally. But being on the front lines, he got to see a lot more of the action than we did back in the middle of the column as we marched into Lee Park. But Ryan was also in Charlottesville for the demonstrations which occurred the night before the Unite the Right rally on Friday evening. And we would love to hear about that because we only got to see glimpses of it from Ryan's own live stream on Facebook. And doing that, we sat in envy because we really wanted to be there ourselves. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Bill. How are you doing? Wonderful. Praise Christ. Thank you for being here. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure. We we would love to get the rundown on what happened Friday night. Everybody's been asking me about that, and we just couldn't be there. I had a live podcast to do at Kustigenia, 
I, I couldn't be there if I wanted to. And, and we'd love to hear an account of that from you. Sure, sure. So uh, Friday, Friday night, probably about an hour or so after we got the word that the permit had been upheld by the federal court, we were sitting around at our campsite outside of uh, Charlottesville cooking out some hamburgers and stuff, and uh, everybody was in the Discord chats arguing about whether or not this torch-lit procession would even occur, because a lot of people were scared that, you know, if something happened, we wouldn't even have the permit the next day. But um, so at the last minute, at about 8.30, the word went out to all the various organizers to quietly gather their people and head to Nameless Field on UVA campus and it was uh it was a rush to get there from where we were staying because we were 30 minutes outside of Charlottesville so we loaded up and we already had our tiki torches pre-cut and everything and uh we loaded up I had Brad Griffin a box of mental descent with me and uh, a few other guys from the League of the South we made it down there but when we got there the whole city was crawling with Antifa they were uh, well, you couldn't tell who was who, but you just, I guess you kind of assume when you see the degenerate look in that situation. Yeah, right. They're easy so to we, spot. Uh, yeah, easy, easy to pick out. And um, so we we passed Nameless Field, and we could see a huge army down there. It, it, the field sits kind of down like in a little hollow almost. And uh, there was no light down there, but you could tell there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people amassed. And uh, so we found a place to park, and that was the sketchy part, you know, because a lot of people got their windows busted out and all their tires slashed that night while the procession was going on. Uh, we happened to get lucky and park in a good spot near uh, some police officers where they were posted up, not that they would have, you know, <laughs> done much anyway, as we found out the next day. But anyway, we found we found a place to park and we filled our torches up real quick. And it was right after the procession started, so we got in line maybe uh, 200 yards from the starting point, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, it was very organized. It was very sharp. Everybody was dressed sharp. Uh, Everybody had their torches lit. Everybody was chanting in unison, you will not replace us, or blood and soil, uh, various nationalist chants. And it was, the unity was so beautiful. But we were a force marching through UVA campus. And uh, it was it was beautiful to, as we walked up the steps of the rotunda. I've got videos of this stuff. This is the most spiritual thing that I think I've ever personally been a part of. That anyways, been, uh, that, that may, I'm sorry. Yeah. That may have left a better yeah. impression on people and a bigger impression on people than what happened on Saturday, right? Well, it was beautiful because it was just us. It was just us. Anthony's I didn't have the time to organize against us because it wasn't a pre-announced event, you know, and if they don't have the numbers, they're cowards. Right. They're cowards when they have right. the numbers. We've seen that. Right, exactly, exactly. So it was, um, it was very, very, very beautiful, and it was such a, a unifying moment for everybody there. 
uh, and it was such a beautiful thing. I, I really, really believe that, you know, they, they, the state and the beast could not afford to let our speakers be heard the next day. They could not afford for us to have the beautiful optics that we would have had had the state done their job, but it didn't go down like that. Well, well right. I really believe that the, the, the police and the municipal officials, at least, if not the state officials, were in collusion with the Antifa. It, it's and 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 the opposition. There's no doubt in my mind that they they didn't yeah, want us to speak. Definitely. and I think that's been confirmed. That they didn't want us to speak. They were yeah, afraid every, of our speakers. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that they were. You were kind of breaking up, didn't you? Yes, I, I hope my internet connection holds out for this this interview. But you're not. I'm hearing everything that you say. Okay. You could just continue. Okay, okay. So uh, we got uh, we marched up the steps, and there was media everywhere, and there were obvious Antifa and uh, SPLC types out there trying to take everybody's picture. As you can see from the next, you know, few days, people getting doxxed and fired from their jobs, uh, families disowning them. My family's disowned me since I've been back. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, so uh, everybody kept marching, and when we came when we got within sight of the Jefferson Thomas Jefferson statue we could see the about 20 to 30 Antifa circled around it all joined interlocking arms and we marched down I don't know the exact number that we had but it felt like thousands because the line of torches was never ending and we circled around them and started chanting things like anti-white anti-white and uh, you know I, I promised my wife that I would uh, do my best not to go to jail at this event <laughs> and uh, so I, I pretty much I just kind of stayed back and filmed as much of everything that I could and just tried to stream the experience for everybody but it was really beautiful and uh, so Antifa got scared because our guys had them encircled around the monument that they were, you know, it's like, it's like they gathered around this monument to make a statement and then they got scared because they were stuck in that position. So somebody pulled out some mace and maced one of our guys and that just broke it. It just all hell broke loose. So they got beat up. I couldn't really see everything. There's some videos out there on the internet of that. I was probably about, 30 feet away when that happened and there was a thick crowd and then the uh you know i don't know if the police gave the order and our guys were just repeating it but all of the guys that were in charge of security for the procession started ordering us to you know hey put your torches out and disperse everybody started screaming disperse disperse so it's very it was confusing uh, there for a minute right after the fight, but then everybody's uh, training and the good leadership kicked in, and we were right back in columns heading back out, you know. And we grew, regrouped at the field again, and that was we stayed there for probably about an hour just mingling all the different groups. A couple of people gave some impromptu speeches, and uh, there was just a lot of fellowship hanging out and getting to know one another, sharing in that uh, glorious experience, because it really was glorious. Well, that sounds like an awesome experience, and as soon as I can, I will post some of your videos at Christagenia 
so that people can um, actually get to experience at least some of it for themselves. I, I had seen some of your live streams Friday night, and it was awesome. And, and my wife and I just looked at the computer screen, wishing that we could get there, and, and I just couldn't. I had other obligations. We were um, in the middle of the pack the next morning. We were in the middle of the procession that left the parking garage with the League of the South and the Traditional Workers' Party and the, the NSN, National Socialist Movement, and, and with the people from Identity Europa and a few other groups. And the League of the South led, us, led the way. We got to the parking garage late and kind of squeezed in between, mixed in with the Identity Europa people right behind the League of the South. So we were a little back in the procession marching to Lee Park. You were right at the forefront. And, and I would love to hear your version of, of, of the events of the march and what happened as we tried to make our way from the parking garage on Saturday morning to Lee Park so that we could exercise our rights and enter the park for the rally that we were part of the groups that had a permit, a lawful permit to attend this rally, and and they did everything they could to stop us and and to break this rally up. Well, they definitely did. Um, After we assembled in the uh, parking garage, and I've got videos of that, too, because that was beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I felt like we were uh, a band of Scottish warriors, you know, about to head out into battle. And that's what it turned out to be, because we had the word ahead of time from our organizers that uh, the police had done nothing to secure the park and that the park was surrounded and that uh, there was a good chance we were going to have to go through them to get to the park. So when we uh, we headed out, we marched about two blocks, uh, two and a half, three blocks to get to Lee Park. We weren't far from there. And um, as we got closer, I could see the mob up ahead of us, and people were already screaming and throwing stuff. And uh, Michael Tubbs, <laughs> I thought we were about to make a right turn at the crowd. I thought the crowd, because there was a right turn that you could take right before the crowd. I thought, I didn't know the exact location of the park. So, okay, I'm thinking, yeah, we're about to, like, make a right turn here. Uh, Michael Tubbs turned around and said, guys, they're blocking the park. We're going through them. And uh, I won't lie, man, my anxiety was a little high, because this was a mass of evil people. Well, well, first, wow. let me just say that going around the block wasn't going to do us any good. You, you know that. that the Antifa, no, no, yeah, yeah. We would have had to go definitely. around two blocks. Well, at that he, point, I still didn't realize the extent to which uh, law enforcement had stood down. Oh, yeah, the law enforcement. I was still, I'm sorry. The, right. the cops facilitated. I, 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 I still didn't realize how bad that situation was at the time. Right now, Michael Tubbs I'm sorry, there's a delay because of my poor internet. Michael Tubbs right now is being demonized in the press as, as an aggressor, and he was actually our greatest defender and, and us helped, right. helped us to assert our right to passage, obviously. He was defending, right. he was defending our rights and, and standing up for what we had a right to while the police were not. But we and, had a and, permit. We had a permit to begin with, and then the federal courts reaffirmed that permit. We had every lawful right 
to be there. And if, if law enforcement wasn't going to secure our entrance into there, we we still have a right to get in there. Right. You know, we have was, a right. We have the right to lawfully assemble. And, and a right to, to passage. Right. That's and, all anybody wanted to do. But you literally had thousands of rabid communists, antifa, satanic hordes, the Black Lives Matter, every homosexual activist. Uh, there was there was collectively so much HIV on the other side of that line that, you know, it was scary. And not to mention whatever kind of demonic spirits were guiding them. But uh, we we hit the wall of people, you know, we just pushed, pushed, pushed. And uh, they were macing us, punching us, hitting us with sticks. Uh, most of our guys up in the front had helmets and shields. You know, we probably had about nine shields in the front, and that's what we used to kind of pierce the hole up to the steps, to, which was the entrance of Lee Park. Uh, once we got onto the steps, we immediately turned around and formed a, a shield wall to let our guys start passing through, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was a fight. It was a fight. I, I kind of I got lucky. I was in the very, very front line. When we uh, pushed through the crowd and up up the steps, and I really went through that with just catching a little bit of secondhand mace. So I, I did pretty good on that. Uh, some of the other guys didn't fare as well. You can see from the videos, and a lot of the enemy didn't. A lot of them didn't. So well, from our perspective, no, they, from our, from our perspective, being almost halfway back in the procession in the column. All we saw what was uh, that we came to a stop for about four or five minutes. Maybe it seemed like it could have been longer. We came to a complete stop and wondered what the holdup was, but we couldn't see up in front of us. There were crowds of Antifa and, and counter-demonstrators all around us. We could not even step out of the column to look up the street. And even if we could step out of the column, we would have never seen up the street to see what was going on up there. But everybody back by us that we could see had held their composure and had not gotten in, engaged in any violence with these counter-demonstrators that were in our faces and, and chanting for right. our deaths. That they don't want us not only to, they want us not only to be able to speak. They wanted us dead, and and we yeah, just had to dead. face them down. We just had to face them down. But the violence did not carry back into the column, so we had no idea what y'all were doing up there. We didn't right. know what was going on, man. Well, we didn't know if the cops well, the held whole us day up. And, was like that. You know, the whole day was chaotic. The whole day was us being cut off from our our friends and. uh you know, supporters and, and being pushed into crowds by the police. But I don't want to get ahead. Right. It, far, it's, but. Once we got into the park, I, I was in the back with my wife, and, and that's just where I had to be because I had her with me. And and we almost immediately started helping um, guys that had been doused with, with pepper spray and, and I poured milk of magnesia fortunately somebody else in the back had a knapsack full of milk of magnesia what, which I've yeah. never had experience with these things I, I wouldn't have even dreamed yet, you know that that is the antidote for pep, a face full of pepper spray but he had um, right. 
he, he, this poor guy was so he, he was an angel but he was so heavy that he couldn't open his own knapsack he asked me to open his knapsack and get the milk and magnesia bottles out for him as soon as I got the milk and magnesia bottles in my hand I end up with, with people begging me to pour it on their faces and and they were like wow. six or eight people back in and this is back in the corner of our quarter of the park where I'm pouring right. milk and magnesia on their faces and, and trying to help them out and, and my wife and a few other people and the cops I saw a cop Melissa pointed her mouth to me she said Bill look at that cop over there just laughing and I looked and this white cop was standing by a tree pointing at our guys agonizing with the pepper spray in her eyes and he was laughing he was yucking it up with the other cops yeah. they thought that we were going to lose they thought that they were going to force a, a fight which they did, and they thought that we were going to be routed and that that would crush our movement. Uh, that's not what happened. Uh, so we, we, when we left, it was, uh, 9.40 when we started marching up the street. Uh, we got into the park maybe right before 10 or right at 10. By 11.06, the, uh, governor issued a state of emergency and shut us down. So for about an hour and 20 minutes, there was a, there was total anarchy and mob violence in the streets with Antifa attacking us with uh, frozen cans of Coke, frozen water bottles, um, mace, but not just mace. These people were spraying uh, wasp and hornet spray in people's faces. They were using aerosol cans as uh makeshift flamethrowers. I mean, everybody's seen those videos, but right. a lot of our guys that were getting uh, sprayed with chemicals, it wasn't just your run-of-the-mill pepper spray. Some of this stuff was very extremely poisonous, toxic, uh, uh, you know, insecticides and things. So these people were out for blood. These people were trying to kill us, maim us, and... Uh, you know, these people have no concept of the right to free speech or the right to assemble, period. But they've been so, uh, number one, a lot of the non-whites just don't have it in them. They don't have that spirit of liberty in them. And the only thing that they respect to. is violence or the threat of violence. Right. So that's that's why we're having the problems that we're having today. You know, our uh, our leaders have conspired against us to bring in voters that don't think like us. Well, well, these Jews in these universities and these other liberally-minded um, charlatan professors, I can't call them real professors, that they, they train these, they educate these college kids to think that if you're speaking quote-unquote hate, that you don't have a right to speech. And, and that's simply not true. It, it's not true at all. And, and that's the um, part of the Marxist indoctrination in, in our universities. Yes, it's not just the universities either, because it's my parents' generation too, and they uh, they get it all from the television. Right, that's the biggest. You know, thing. it's a it's a total anti-white institutional anti-white system that we're fighting against. Well, we're going to keep fighting against it. We're going to keep fighting against it. Amen. And and Ryan King, I, I really appreciate you being here. You're, you're a noble man, and uh, we count you a good friend. And thank you. I, I thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy your work. I've been a fan for a few years. 
And uh, you're a brave man yourself. This, that's not the first event that you were at where it was uh, pretty, pretty hairy. Well, when God, when Yahweh is your defense, you have no, you no, you have no other. You have no need for another. That, that's the faith we have to walk by. Well, thank you, thank you for having me on, brother. Thank you, Ryan, and and we'll see you right. at the next one. Praise Christ. Yes, sir. Uh, this is Michael Hill. I'm sorry, I almost slid into the next recording. I wasn't quite quick enough. Here we are going to, and, and we thank Ryan King very much for that interview that was conducted Thursday morning before we left Bristol. Here we are going to make a presentation of a writing we found circulating around our social media network this week that is simply titled, Imagine. It's a statement about the events at Charlottesville from an anonymous author which was published under the pseudonym Musonius Rufus. I really like it. it. It's sort of from a mainstream perspective, a mainstream conservatard perspective rather than a our Christian identity perspective, but it's still very fitting and, and very appropriate. We had actually seen several copies of this posted which omit the final lines, and we find that quite disgraceful. However, we believe this copy to be complete. Imagine you were a U.S. citizen, and you wanted to protest the removal of a monument. Imagine you joined a group that advocated protecting that monument, but you had to use a pen name so that you wouldn't be fired from your job. Imagine you took off from work to advocate for your cause in public. Imagine you made reservations to stay somewhere only to have those reservations canceled at the last minute. Imagine you got a permit to hold a peaceable assembly only to have that canceled at the last minute. Imagine you got a court order that said you could still have your assembly, but the police arrived at the beginning and dispersed it anyway. Imagine that the police laughed as they threw you to a mob where you were pepper sprayed and beaten and those police just stood by and watched. Imagine journalists took pictures of you and your enemies and used those pictures to try to get your employers to fire you. Imagine you knew that all this would have been illegal if you hadn't been white. You knew the laws don't protect you because you're white. Imagine the godless media said you were evil, and that's the exact word they used. Imagine companies tweeted out pictures of you with gun sights on your head. Imagine they joked about killing you and all of your friends. Imagine a governor who used convicted criminals to rig an election and said that you criminals weren't welcome in his state anymore. Imagine a U.S. senator who collaborated with the enemy in wartime and called you a traitor. Imagine all your accusers said you were the bigot. They called you a coward for standing up to the powerful. They accused you of trying to censor them when you were the one who was silenced. Imagine you had friends and family turn their backs on you because what because of what the TV said. And that was more important than what you said.
If you imagine this, then you will understand why this country is about to change. It has to change. And we are going to change it. We won't be scared away. You'll find we're made of sterner stuff. In fact, we're the kind of men who have statues made of the, out of them. We are founding fathers. We are creating a new country that will replace this wicked one. Whose side do you think God is on? You would better hope you're on that side. Deo Vindici, or God will avenge. That's the appropriate attitude that even we identity Christians should have. We're waiting for Babylon to fall so that we can arise and thresh. How it's going to fall and when it's going to fall, I can't tell. None of us can tell. But it's going to fall. And that's when we have the opportunity to become these founding fathers. To rise up and thresh and reward unto Babylon double what she has given to us. That's the moment we wait for. That's the only solution to our woes. How long it's going to happen is not in our control, but it is going to happen. That's the only solution we can expect. And we should all conduct ourselves each and every day with the goal in mind of seeing that solution fulfilled. This evening we have another pre-recorded statement. Briefly summarizing the events at Charlottesville from our good friend Dr. Michael Hill, the president of the League of the South, and that will be all. He spoke for five minutes to give us this summary, and we will let him have the last word this evening. Uh, this is Michael Hill, uh, the president of the League of the South. Uh, we went to Charlottesville on the 12th of August to participate in the Unite the Right rally, and uh, we got there, and we found that we had just walked into a preset trap. Um, I, I won't give you the details, but I can tell you this. All you need to go, do is get online and watch uh, all of the available video, and there's very much of it. And you'll see that it uh, was turned into chaos there on purpose by the local authorities, the police, uh, standing down and, and doing nothing. Uh, but here's what I took out of it. Uh, I took out of it that it's time for the hard right to unite. It's time for us to get over uh, whatever differences and disagreements we might have because we have the same enemy here. Uh, that enemy is uh, on the march now. I call it the new red terror. I, I guess I should probably say the new Judeo-Bolshevik red terror. And they're coming uh, coming after us uh, nationalists, white nationalists, southern nationalists. And with everything they've got, it's time for us to fight back, and we went up to to Charlottesville with an honorable uh, honorable intention. We we went up there peacefully. We went up there to go into Lee Park. Uh, two of the members of the league, myself and our Arkansas State Chairman, were set to speak. Uh, our intentions were peaceful, and we were thrown in, as I said, to the chaos, and we handled it. We fought our way uh, from the streets into the park. And then uh, the authorities shut everything down 15 minutes before the speakers were uh, set to speak because the Antifa and Black Lives Matter folks out in the streets started throwing tear gas canisters at us. 
The cops used that as a pretext for shutting everything down, sending the riot police, drove us back out into the streets where we had to fight our way again through Antifa, Black Lives Matter, uh, back to our parking garage and to another park uh, about two miles away. And everybody was dispersed, but uh, everybody got back home safely, just cuts and bruises and sore lungs from all kind of chemical irritants. But look, what this was an attempt to do was to shut us down, and it uh, it's not going to work. I mean, the, the, you may have kept us from speaking then, uh, you know, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Governor, uh, but these uh, this, this fight is just starting, and uh, I was proud to say that the League of the South was the tip of the spear that day. We led the column down the street uh, when the opposition uh, in, uh, gave us the intention that they were not going to move so we could get into the park. We were on an open thoroughfare to foot traffic. Uh, we had every right to be there and to get in the park. We had a permit for using the park. Uh, they locked arms and made it known that they were going to bar our way. So, uh, as I said, we were the tip of the spear, and we went through them like a knife through butter. Uh, my chief of staff, Michael Tubbs, distinguished himself uh, like a warrior of renown that day. So proud of him and all of our fellows who were on the front lines. We did our duty. We got in. We protected people. We had to go back out in the crowd many times and pull in stragglers who had been beaten over the head, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. We defended ourselves all day long. Uh, I don't think that there was a, a single incident where we initiated any violence. We simply reacted uh, and responded uh, to violence against us. Uh, but this was a, a fiasco, but our, our people handled it well and came through it well. And as I said, this may be the opening shots, opening uh, volleys, whatever you want to call it, uh, in a new uh, and developing conflict here between nationalists on one hand and the Judeo-Bolshevik globalists on the other. So uh, whatever the good Lord sends our way, we'll handle with his uh, with His help. So that's pretty much my assessment of the situation, Bill. Well, Dr. Hill, thank you very much for that. that that's um, very much my own assessment also. And I spent um, a half an hour on, on, on the other day on radio in New Orleans, and, and my last words were that, very much the same that we will not be silent we will not stand down in, in order that our opposition be keep, is comfortable yeah we won't be silent so you can be comfortable exactly and and that's an excellent meme I don't know who in the League of the South had, had first made that but that was excellent when I saw it yeah I saw that two years ago somebody did that and brought a, brought a poster to our national conference and put it up we will not be silent so you can be comfortable and, and that summarizes our duty not only at, as um, as nationalists but as Christians. Absolutely, it is. We we are we are told that uh, we are to speak the truth, and we are certainly going to do it as long as the good Lord gives us a, an outlet to do it. I pray that He'll keep those outlets open for us, and and we'll continue to rebuke the sinners. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for for providing this summary for us here this evening. May well, God bless you. You're welcome. God bless you. Thank you. And that'll be it this evening. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh. And good night.
Through the smoke and the mud and the blood We walked behind Robert E. Lee The sixty miles from Richmond To face the Union Army We dug our holes and we built a wall Cause we knew there'd be a fight If the blue coat wearing soldiers Crossed the river that night Sure as hell at sundown came A hundred thousand men And it sure did shock me, Lord, to see Ken killing Ken The cannonballs were heavy Filled with iron and steel and lead And the James River water Ran a bloody red Did you mean for me to kill my brother? Yeah. 